right. Mm. Here we go. Coffee's for closes. <laughs> Self, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. <laughs> you think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. That was... Uh... Terrible. I mean... I thought it was supposed to be an Earth classic. Just because something is... Old and well-reviewed doesn't make it good it was just so so mammoth yes it was so very mammoth 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 let's just start the show all right Hello everyone, I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer. And I have a confession tonight, friends. I am not a closer. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Spock, are you okay? I'm still thinking about the ABCs. Always be compassionate? Yes, I like yours better. Mm, you, you mean always be closing? Mm, no, I mean, yes. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Uh, watching this film was my idea. <laughs> you know, um, I'm sure you will call, Captain, that when we talked about having an app drop in and around Boss's Day, you were like, oh, yes, Office Space, that late 90s gem. And I was like, yeah, and that movie about ABCs. Um <laughs> Because I'd never seen the film. I knew very little about it. Our producer likes to quote the ABCs from time to time. Yes, my partner does as well. And so I thought, oh, this will be like a fun excuse to watch the film that this riff is based on. And maybe that'll be fun. <laughs> and you know what, friends? It wasn't fun. No. Uh, my goodness. So I... Um, as if you are a regular listener, as you know, that I, I, your captain have a theater background. Um, and so I am no stranger to sitting through David Mamet's work. Um, and there was a time when I would sit through it and I would go, ah, yes, so much to learn. 
so wise, such knowledge. Mm -hmm. And now that I don't have to be a theater person anymore, I feel like, wow, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. That's, that's not my preference. Uh, And my, my big issue with it is that it is presented exactly as it would be as a stage play. Which, if I was watching really? it as a that, stage that's play... that's your big issue? That's your big issue with it? Well, yeah, because... Uh, well, okay. I mean, there's a lot of Al Pacino problems. Um, <laughs> but, but when you present something on film in the same manner that you would present it on stage, it does not translate at all. No, no. Because if I saw all those actors perform this on stage, I mean, I think I still would have been like, wow. There's really nothing happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would have been like, but they're selling it. <laughs> I mean, I will I will agree with you in that um, all the male actors. Um, all male. Spoilers alert, folks. There's not a woman in the picture. <laughs> not in the play. Not, nowhere. Um, all the male actors are working very hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and for some reason, after I watched the film, I read part of an interview with Alan Arkin where he talks about how hard they were working and how it was very hard, apparently, to get down, like, the diction and the pacing because mammoth, Mm -hmm. am I right? (laughs) And I was like, Alan, I've always really liked you, so I'm going to give you a pass on this one. (laughs) (laughs) The leads. The leads. The The leads. leads. (laughs) What did you compare it to? That other film that's awful that I have not seen and definitely won't called The Field? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm, uh, if you have seen this Irish film called Mm -hmm. The Field, uh, please comment somewhere on our social media so that I know that I'm not alone. Um, But I saw it at a, Sometimes, I'm sure in your town, there are movies in the summertime, like at at pubs. Uh, They played the field in the summertime? (laughs) What was happening at State College? No, no, no. This was in Minneapolis. Oh. At Brit's Pub, because Mm. they only show movies from that part of the world. Sure. Um... And usually they're a fun romp. So, mm-hmm. you know, partner and I went up to the roof of Brit's pub and oh my god, <laughs> sat down and we're like, we can't wait for this rompish film. There's no romping. No. There's na- there's nay a romp. No, I read uh, <laughs> half the Wikipedia page and I can tell you for certain folks, there's no romping. There's no romping. Um, but the way that the actors in Glengarry Glen Ross kept saying, the leads, the leads, the leads. Glengarry leads. The Glengarry leads. It just kept, it made me think of the field because they say the field so many times. But they do it in an Irish accent. The I can't field. There we go. <laughs> there you go. The field. I. <laughs> and it's depressing. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. I, I don't recommend it. Mm, no. So, uh, two for two here. Don't, we don't recommend the field. 
and we don't <laughs> recommend Glengarry Glen Ross. Uh, here's the thing. Unless for those you of are you... like dying for mammoth. If you are a mammoth lover, mm. I don't know how you haven't seen this already. I mean, if you're a mammoth lover, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've seen the film. I'm sure you've seen it on stage. Mm -hmm. um, if that if that really does it for you, I respect your right to view mammoth. Um, and I will, you know, fight for your right to, to view Mammoth. Just don't ever ask me to watch Mammoth again, please. <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen um, this particular work of Mammoth's, we want to strongly encourage you here at the Starship Therapies not to see it. Um, and here's the thing. If you went through some sort of like high school class in an English-speaking country, maybe not even an English-speaking country, um, you were probably had to read a play by Arthur Miller. Mm -hmm. And it, there's a really high probability that you were asked to read Death of the Salesman. And here's the thing. Uh, Glengarry Glen Ross is basically Death of the Salesman. Just picture it in your mind, folks, if you took out all the women. <laughs> And you added, a, like, a thousand more fucks. The words fuck. The yes. word fucks. Yes, not the word fuck. The act not, of fuck. not the act, but the word fuck. So just imagine Death of a Salesman, that great work of um, American literature, and just take out all the women. Mm -hmm. And just add a lot more of the cuss word fuck. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, so instead of Will, uh, Willie Loman like interacting with his family. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's just at work. Yes. This is, this is the trials and tribulations of Willie Loman. And that man swears and drinks and drinks a lot. And, and mm -hmm. might be friends with Al Pacino's character, Richard Roma, who in the same speech said equates uh, pedophilia with homosexuality. So mm. not a fun romp is what I'm saying. Not fun. Yeah, um, it it was it was mindfully chosen mm -hmm. here here for our our bosses day episode. Um, we will circle back to some things from uh, GGGR. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make it more fun. No, it's uh, good. I mean, the play the play does love a good acronym. <laughs> a i d a it, and, and i was like aida what <laughs> that scene reminded me so much of so uh i had a whole career before i decided to go into the wellness profession mm -hmm. and uh one of the things i did was corporate training Oh, I and, always forget that. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I probably signed something that says I can't talk about specifically what it was, but I would, we had a lot of acronyms. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, remember, swing, smile with eye contact, make an icebreaker, use their name. And offer them a gift. When you meet a new customer, always remember swing. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm 
a big <clears throat> no thank you from me. And so I I was like, oh my God, Alec Baldwin is me, but just real mean and with more money. Yes. Um, and a, and a, a strong sense of who does and does not deserve coffee. <laughs> you know, I, I'll say one thing for... Um, well, I'm not going to say something for corporate trading or acronyms or GGGR. <laughs> what I'm going to say is that all three of these things do a good job of, um, uh, well, they don't do a good job. They're, they're good examples of <laughs> systemic rules and roles, right? As I'm sure many of our listeners know, um, Justine and I are trained in uh, systemic marriage and family therapy. And really what that means is we were trained to look at uh, social groups and the ties that bind them. And rules and roles are, they're, they're some of the ties that like bind us to other people and that help us understand um, groups and how individuals move within those groups and how groups end up doing the things that they do, why they end up doing the things that they do, all that good stuff. And, you know, when Alec Baldwin, I mean, he doesn't walk on scene, he's just there. That's where the, the play film opens. Um, <laughs> and, and when he's talking about the ABCs and the expectations, he's going over the rules to stay at the company. Mm-hmm. He's saying, here are the rules. He's saying we have three roles. And of course, maybe at that point, it's Ed Harris's character who, spoilers, is a real schmuck. Um, but Ed Harris is like very crabby and he's like swearing and he's like, mer, 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 mer. there's four of us. And Alec Baldwin is like, yeah, dummy, there are four of you. But at the end of this, there's only going to be three of you. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. Because in this work, family... They only need three three salesman roles, I guess. And uh, there's going to be a fight to the finish to see who can uphold the rules of closers the best. Mm -hmm. And then those three get to stay. And the top one gets a Cadillac. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. First place, a car. Second place, some steak knives. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Third place, you get some coffee. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Well, but you closed you, enough. You closed enough to get some coffee, not some steak knives, certainly not a Cadillac, but enough to get some coffee. And uh, Jack Lemon is the Willie Loman character. He's not getting any coffee. No. No. Uh, no. Uh, I, y you are correct. This is a a very concrete example of explicit roles, rules, and boundaries. Mm. Uh, yeah, huh. yeah, let's not forget that important family systems theory of boundaries. Would um, you like to define it for the folks at home, sir? I know you love when I ask you to define things. I love defining things. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Boundaries are the invisible barriers between people. Mm. And mm -hmm. you can extrapolate out that they're also 
boundaries between not just people, but between systems. So there are boundaries between people in a family, and then there's boundaries between our family and your family. And then there's a, there are boundaries between our neighborhood and your neighborhood, boundaries mm-hmm. between our country and your country. Um, I know that was a lot of m- mine and yours othering type language, but it's just the easiest way to explain well, it. Right. And it's really it, like it, it's really in purpose to to help really sort of drive home the point that boundaries are about. They're they're the demarcation between into different in, different individual spaces. Right. Here's where my individual space ends and there is where yours begins. Mm-hmm. And I feel so confident that Anne Ramage, our our doctorate of marriage and family therapy professor used the following example to talk about boundaries. It was about the fence, right? That you have a fence around your house, right? And you can walk up to that fence and you can have conversations with your neighbors. You can sit, wave hello to the male person who brings your mail and tell your little Pomeranians not to bark at them. <laughs> um, but the thing about your fence is that it helps people understand where your space begins. And if they mm-hmm. want to enter into your space, they have to be invited across the threshold. Like vampires. Yes. I feel confident that Anne did not say like vampires. Um, <laughs> but yes, it's just like vampires. That like to cross the threshold that you have to, like the person has to be invited in. Um, mm-hmm. Now, sometimes people are not, like others may not be as respectful of your your boundary, your personal boundary as they ought to be. Um and that gets into one of our main topics today, right around self-advocacy, which is this idea of what do you do when somebody is just hopping the fence mm. or sometimes kicking down your fence? I've had both of those things happen, literally, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Or doing one of those and then they appear and you're like, what are you doing? And the person says, what do you mean? What am I doing? You let me in. And that's gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and... That also, that goes to consent as well. Um, Remembering that just because you invited somebody into your house once, unlike vampires who now have a pass forever until you revoke it. It's why you need to be very careful about what kinds of vampires you invite (laughs) into your home. Yeah. Come on. If we learn nothing from vampire media, that is... That is what we needed to learn. Mm -hmm. But when we consent to other human beings to come into our space, that is a case by case, minute by minute, second by second process that we can revoke at any time. Mm -hmm. So if you invited somebody into your house and then the next time they just walk in without the two of you having a conversation around, like, obviously you have friends who it's, there is a bond between you spoken and unspoken that we can totally enter each other's spaces Mm -hmm. um but you know if you let the mailman in one day to carry a package and the next day the mailman just walks into your house and like gets themselves a seltzer water and (laughs) sits down on your sofa you would be totally justified in asking them what they're doing (laughs) because they just violated a boundary Mm-hmm. Well, and they, they would violated say, several boundaries, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they would say, but you invited me in. Like, yes, yesterday mm-hmm. for a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. N- not forever for always. And then perhaps you'd pause and you'd be like, are you 
a male person as well as a vampire. <laughs> it might benefit you to look at what time of day it is. Uh, <laughs> the midnight mail service. <laughs> It's night post. Ah, the evening post. That used mm-hmm. to be a thing. It did. Not anymore, though. No. No. Let's pour one out for the evening post. <laughs> oh, man. Love the postal service. Anyway. Mm. They're also a great band. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Works on multiple levels. It does. But you're right. Getting getting back on track here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So back to boundaries at, I, I, I have to admit mm-hmm. that I don't really understand why it's called Glengarry Glen Ross. I know they're Glengarry leads, but I don't know what that means. So I had the same question and I looked it up online. Oh, um, thank, because, thank God you're a Spock. Because here's the thing. I was not going to like rewind and rewatch anything. Um Rewind. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to be be kind. Rewind. I was going to actually be kind to myself and say, you started this film, Spock, because you had this idea and committed both you and the captain to this process. And that means you need <laughs> to finish this film. It does not mean that you need to watch a scene more than once. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. So I did what a Spock would do. And I went online and I researched and I found out that it gets the name because the Glengarry leads are from the Glengarry Estates. Oh, right. So, like, okay. do you remember that picture that Al Pacino unfolds after he very equates... uncomfortably? Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> and equates pedophilia with um, homosexuality, and is also clearly making a pass at whoever that dude was. And so, just lots of layers there. But he opens up that the pamphlet, and it's for the Glengarry Estates. Got it. So that's why he has the good leads mm-hmm. because the, the Glengarry Estates. Are the good property guy, and apparently the Glen Ross, though it was a little sketchy on this, but it, I do think like the Glen Ross estates were the they like the Glen Ross farms or something maybe like they're they're the less desirable properties. Oh, they really could have made that more explicit. They really because I I think the Glen Ross ones are supposed to be like the Rio the Rio Rancho things, but they don't mm-hmm. they don't they only call them the Rio Rancho thing. At least that's my memory um for you mammoth fans out there please feel free to log on the twitter the instagram and uh correct me that's fine we're, we're gonna start getting hate from david mammoth fans probably um <laughs> i'm okay with that that'll that'll be new it will be new uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but back to boundaries yes so the the boundaries um, at so here's the thing. Know, like I what is the name of their agency? Mitch That's what Murray. I'm trying to find. Mitch and Murray. Mitch and Murray. Mm-hmm. The boundaries at Mitch and Murray mm-hmm. seem to be very specific and very strange. Um, yes. In that, or is it? Would you say it's the boundaries? Or would you say it's the rules? Because it seems like the rules at Mitch and Murray are that. Some people's boundaries get to be violated. Mm. Yes, I like the way you phrased that better. Right? Because, like, here's the thing. Um, if if a company 
like Mitch and Murray, and in the in, you know in the in the film play, um, Mitch and Murray provides its employees with coffee. Right there it is. That's a rule. Um, and so it's a reasonable expectation as an employee to expect that like you can get up as Jack Lemon, the saddest Jack Lemon, does at the start <laughs> of the meeting to pour himself some coffee. And that's when Alec Baldwin launches into his very famous spiel about how coffee is for closers. Because Alec Baldwin is explaining that the rules are changing. Mm-hmm. These times they are a changing, and Alec Baldwin had heard that song. He probably helped write it. Um and he explains that now coffees are only for closers. So it's not something that you can just expect to have as an employee. You have to earn it. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. we expect you to work all the time. Constantly. That that was the thing that just kind of mm-hmm. was uh, was really uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, when he like shames people for having like families and kids and right he's like do you want to have love or do you want money Mm -hmm. you want to go home play with your kids that's not a closer (laughs) like okay like i recognize that 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 is a very real person uh that exists Mm -hmm. um but uh, for like the jack lemon character he clearly has a family. He at least has a daughter who is very ill, apparently. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, we know that it's apparent because she's a woman and thus not on the screen. So <laughs> we know it because Jack Lemon does a lot of acting into phones. Uh-huh. Yes. A lot of phone acting. Damn it. I need to talk to the doctor. Who is this? Tell me your name. I'm but my daughter. Ah. Uh. <laughs> and yes, friends... The captain just did a pitch perfect imitation of Jack Lemon as <laughs> Shelly the machine Levine acting into the phone. <laughs> the machine. Uh yeah, so uh, the rules are we have we have no boundaries around where your personal life ends mm-hmm. and our work begins. Right. In fact, your work should just be everything. Mm-hmm. and if it's that important to you to have a family i guess you need to figure that shit out and fit it in somewhere right perhaps at a pay on a payphone at a chinese restaurant <laughs> and if you're wondering listeners does al pacino who plays the worst character ever in a play full of worst characters <laughs> does he use an asian slur to refer to the chinese restaurant yes yes, yes he does yes he does mm-hmm. <laughs> multiple times yep because multiple times is a film play about just violating all kinds of boundaries Ooh, do you think mm-hmm. and i know that if i were back in my drama communities that, that, that this would be a conversation. Do you think Mamet's purpose, what he was trying to do, was violate our boundaries to make us aware of boundaries? I feel so confident that Mamet would say yes. <laughs> and to that I would say, we live in late-stage capitalist America. Mamet, did we really need you to recapitulate all of that? Well, what year did he write this? Oh, God. 
I don't know. I just know the film came out in 1992. Um, but despite, I mean, mean, despite my saltiness, I think your point is well made. I, I think that, I think that that perspective would be valid that Mamet Mm -hmm. is just, because he's known for being this very aggressive playwright Mm -hmm. that is just breaking social mores and boundaries and we're all going to clutch our pearls and grab our monocle and say, see here now. Um, (laughs) And David Mamet's going to be like, "That's, that's the grittiness of life, folks. Yeah, which I legit one could get away with in 1992 i think i i i, I mean, mean I, I think you're right i and i guess like i'm making the face right now because i think mm-hmm. one can get away from it in or get away with it in like the in in 2019 i mean what was it only mm-hmm. a couple years back that wolf of wall street came out no yeah and and wolf of wall street is i mean it's very much like it 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 is continuing to chart the course begun mm-hmm. by Mamet and hell, probably even Arthur Miller. Um, even though I clearly have a soft spot for, for dear Arthur where mm-hmm. it's about, it, it's telling the story of beleaguered men. Oh, you know, usually American beleaguered men usually have some sort of European descent background. Mm-hmm. And Part of what I find so uncomfortable when I watch these kinds of films or plays or film plays, if you will, um, is that I'm I'm not sure if they are critiquing or celebrating. Oh, yeah, that that feels really fair. And it feels like when I imagine the Venn diagram where one circle is critique and one circle is celebrate, it just feels like these films are like right in the center of of where those two ideas would overlap and it it makes me feel uncomfortable because it feels like oh we're just we're we're continuing we're perpetuating these values even as we're critiquing them Hmm? so let me ask you this question Mm -hmm. um you know, we chose this film and Office Space, which we will get to in a minute. We, we're going to lighten things right up in just a minute. Uh, sure <laughs> the jazz hands are going to come out. The coffee's yeah. going to be poured. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, much, much lighter. Mike Judge. Much different than Mammoth. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we chose this because of its view of the workforce. Yes. And how how much does that mirror work life now mm-hmm. or in 1992? Sure. I mean, I think about, you know, like articles that are coming out uh, often about the millennial workforce, right? And depending on who's writing the article, it's either being like, millennials are having such a hard time and let me list all the facts why. Or it's like, millennials are lazy and let me tell you my opinions about why they're lazy um Mm -hmm. clearly you can tell where my bias falls here friends (laughs) and i and i think your point is well made that like yeah we did we did choose glenn gary glenn ross because we felt like (laughs) its themes are prescient right that as Mm -hmm. adults in in america still it, it there is this strong not just value but rule in most workplaces that your life is your job 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's part of why that whole idea about like, love what you do, like, love your work, love what you do. Um, because in America, there's no time for anything else. Right. Right. The idea of follow your bliss is kind of a misnomer. Mm-hmm. Because, the, you know, the, the old adage that, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That is inaccurate. Sure. Because I mean, you and I both do work that we love. Mm-hmm. We work all the time. On Sundays. On Saturdays. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all the time. And listeners, we absolutely do set boundaries and have mm-hmm. self-care time and all of that. And also, I shine a light on it just to say, like, I want to bring up toxic posi- positivity for a minute. Ooh, <laughs> because, I like this. Well, because I think it has a place here. Because there it sounds there like someone has so- a case of the Mondays. Ah, it's here. Uh, <laughs> irony: we are recording this on a Monday. Uh, <laughs> in certain circles, especially in the the wellness world, I'm thinking specifically of the yoga realm Mm -hmm. (laughs) there is this idea of everything should always be happy and shiny and wonderful and if it's not that's your karma and um oh yeah yeah Mm. it's it is toxic positivity yeah these are not helpful things to say to people if someone comes to you and says i'm having a really hard time is it helpful to be like, well, have you tried manifesting a more positive outcome? No. It's fucking not helpful. Uh, <laughs> and I know that I give the mainstream yoga world a lot of shit. Um, and that's because I believe they should have some of this shit. So they can have a mirror with which to look at themselves. Um, if you've listened to earlier pods... <laughs> You know that I'm not talking about literal physical body exploration, but you can do that because your body is yours. Um. <laughs> yep, you can you can consent to touch your own body. <laughs> you get to do that. Um, <laughs> but in in the yogi world and some other, you know, more ephemeral wellness areas there's a lot of this kind of positivity and those are jobs those are pl- those people are working your yoga teacher is working mm-hmm. i mean and she's, she or he or they are probably getting paid next to nothing um, yeah, but correct they, they are working but they are working and so it has a place here in this conversation about bosses and work mm-hmm. um these systems, some of these yoga systems are teaching teachers to say these things without giving much background about what it means or asking them to look at the Westworld construct and consider whether or not it's true. Sure. They probably uh, have like a whole yoga acronym for it. Oh, I, please. <laughs> You're like, come on, Spock, sit down. Who are you talking to here? <laughs> acronym what uh come on son uh 
and what what they're selling to their customers, their students, is toxic positivity. And what the bosses of those yoga teachers is selling them is toxic positivity. So in those realms, mm-hmm. you know, they're, the conversations in some yoga systems are just cringeworthy because they are just as false as the conversations that are happening at Mitch and Murray. But the language that's used is sort of a false self. Right. You know, you, um, if you want to hear more about self and parts, um, I, there's a, we have a whole episode on, on internal family systems. Um, it is very present in my brain right now because I'm about to start a year-long intensive in internal family systems so i think you could just strap in and expect to hear a lot more about that over the next while um <laughs> but you know you you know when well, you're talking see, about... it's important you're letting people know that like this is this yeah. is how it's gonna be so then they can make a choice mm-hmm. right they can decide <laughs> do i want to strap in do I want to consent to this or do I not want to? And they don't have to. No, they don't have to. They could, s- every time they hear me say IFS, they could push the skip ahead 30 seconds and see if I'm done. They could. <laughs> and if I'm not, they could skip ahead another 30 seconds. Well, and, and I mean, in some ways, this would, this would be an example of a, a rule that takes boundary consent into consideration. Mm-hmm. And recognize boundary consent as a living, a living, existing thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds like what you're describing at some mm-hmm. yoga studios, um, mm-hmm. and certainly was the case at Mitch and Murray that that boundary consent was not taken into consideration when those systems came up with their rules and roles for how things were going to run in their professional organizations. No. That they very much, they, they set up their organization predicated on the idea that once you walk through the proverbial doors and are a, an employee, a worker, that means forgoing a lot of your boundaries mm-hmm. and a lot of your rights and rights to autonomy, for example. Hmm. Yeah, it is going to be a part of your daily life that people will be yelling and swearing at you in mm-hmm. in the case of Mitch and Murray. Right. I mean, they and just... tearing you down and not letting you have coffee. Mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. And you need to go out door to door and sell real estate, which is such a strange concept. Well, I mean, I, it, it is to us now, but it, 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 it's based on things that like actually happened in workplace environments where it was completely okay mm-hmm. to treat your employees this way. Yeah. No, I meant the going door to door thing. Oh, sure, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Going door to door is very strange to us now, <laughs> but people used yeah. to. No, I know. My, my, my mom bought a vacuum cleaner and an encyclop- set of encyclopedia from door to door salespeople. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, no, no land that I'm aware of, but 
<laughs> but, you know, give it time. Maybe some land will pop up. <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. Always a mystery. Uh, so let let us let us move from this from this sad place. Yes. To this much brighter, happier place mm-hmm. that is office space. Yes. Which is still admittedly a sad place. Uh but with a peppier persona. <laughs> Yeah, true, true. And, you know, there's, it, it definitely, like, pokes fun at some toxic positivity with the whole flare thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I, I love, I love the flare thing. Uh, the, the woman who answers the phone and just says, a moment. just a moment, I had that job once upon a time. God, you've lived so many lives, Captain. I I have. I've lived so many lives, and I I I know I signed things for that one saying I can't talk about it, um, but because it was a law firm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I say, "Good morning, lawyer and lawyer. This is Justine. How may I direct your call?" <gasps> Just a moment. Please hold. <laughs> oh, that was. Is that unnerving? That was really unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It it made me want to just like leave my fence and just go inside my house. <laughs> Be like, I do not consent to any more of this. Good day. <laughs> hmm. And there were a bunch of us receptionist operator people. Mm-hmm. And and we had to say things the same way. And we would have to say if it, like, good morning if it was morning, good afternoon if it was afternoon. One of the receptionists said good day and, like, got a... She wasn't in trouble, but it was like, hey. It's a talking to. Like, is it morning or afternoon? Right. I mean, Alec Baldwin didn't come out and, you know, yell at her using colorful language and tell her that she couldn't ever go home to her dog. Um, <laughs> But, you know, but it sounds like she was talked to in much the same way that, like, Peter is in Office Space mm-hmm. by Lumberg, where he's like, hey, Peter, yeah, could you, uh... How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> you know, there's a difference, Peter, between good morning and good afternoon, and mm-hmm. we don't really say good day here, so did you get the memo? Oh, yes, it was very much a Lumberg conversation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I, maybe even the manager at Jennifer Aniston's restaurant, it might have even been a little bit like, well, everyone else says good morning or good afternoon. Mm-hmm. We're not telling you what to say. But everyone but else. But everyone else. <laughs> and it just like you, I can feel as I'm thinking of that film and you're describing what it was like to work at this establishment, the way that it, it just, the whole system has, it's like whittling down at your autonomy and your, your individuality and your personality. Mm-hmm. And it's asking you to just, just change your boundaries just a little bit to mm-hmm. make them less like you and more like that system's idea of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't don't you want to be a functioning member of the Chachkis family? 
No. <laughs> no, I don't. Mm -mm. <laughs> That's what Jennifer Aniston says. She says no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and she, so Jennifer Aniston advocates for herself. She does. At tchotchkes. Mm -hmm. You know, she, well, she, she seeks to understand. She seeks to listen to understand to her manager. <laughs> that is a very diplomatic way of describing what what jennifer does but i think to your point like er, like early on the first time she has this chat or the first time the show or the film rather mm -hmm. uh shows her having this chat she is attempting to understand and like really get to the bottom of this whole flare situation but it just keeps <laughs> being like obfuscated right because mm -hmm. that's one of the rules that we don't talk about the rules right right what we gave you the minimum number of flair. Mm -hmm. The implicit message is more flair. Right. The explicit message is do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And that, friends, is a double bind. Ooh, I wondered if you would go there and you did. <laughs> <laughs> and in the marriage and family therapy world, a double bind is when you cannot win. It's basically mm -hmm. a catch-22. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And you can't leave, right? There's something about the situation where you are stuck there, and it's either... It, it's like the flair thing, right? Like, Jennifer mm -hmm. Aniston, she, she, this, is, this is her job. It's how she pays her bills. And presently in America, where we're just not into the whole social supports thing, um, your job is your entire livelihood, Mm -hmm. And so she's stuck. She needs this gig to live. We're talking bottom of the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you will. And, mm -hmm. uh, and her boss is, is saying to her, like, you have a choice. You have some autonomy here. We recognize that you're a person. We respect your boundaries. So you can choose how many more pieces of flair you're going to have. So how many more pieces of flair are you going to have? <laughs> and that's the secondary message, like you said, which is like, God, if you want to succeed here, you need to be into the flair thing. Mm -hmm. But we want you to express yourself. Yeah, and make a choice. <laughs> mm. Well, the way I express myself and make a choice is that I don't want more flair. Mm, no. Right. I, I, I don't think you understand how, how this works. Uh, I really hope... That some of you out there are listening and just it is sparking so much joy to hear us integrating family therapy into office space. I can't imagine that this is what Anne Ramage envisioned. <laughs> and I like to think she'd be proud. <laughs> I, I mean, we could ask her. Yeah, I suppose we could. Maybe we will. We'll, we'll uh, hop. We'll drive on over to Wisconsin. We can't take a train because America didn't invest in its infrastructure. <laughs> it's mass transit infrastructure. Uh, oh, great, great, great times. Great times. Yep. Um, so at a certain point, mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting that we went with the tchotchkes it is. Over, over the in- in in attack i think in attack yeah yeah um but for some reason chachis is just speaking more to me right now um me as well yeah i'm i chachis uh <laughs> yes so she advocates for herself 
mm-hmm. um, using colorful language that I have to believe Alec Baldwin of Glen Gary Glen Ross would have been very um, uh, proud of. I would think it would have really spoken to him. I don't um, know. Are women can women talk like that, or only men? Well, that's a good point. Probably Alec would have been as his character, and hell, maybe as the person. Um, <laughs> Maybe he would have felt confused for liking what she did. <laughs> right? Might have broken one of his own internal rules. Certainly would have confused Mamet because when it comes to um, female characters in or female identifying characters uh, in art, they don't they don't talk and they're not uh, represented. Mm-hmm. So that would no, have been very confusing. It's too hard to write women. Am I right? But um, bum ching. <laughs> anyway, she leaves Chachkis, she hangs up her flare suspenders, and she goes across the where is she working? Parking lot. <laughs> the parking lot. She goes across the parking lot of the strip to mall. To flingers. To flingers. <laughs> and she seems less unhappy there. Mm-hmm. She liked the uniform better. She liked the uniform better. You know, the rules of that system seem more in line with her um, personality and maybe personal values, right? But it, mm-hmm. it does, I mean, cast a light on part of what is challenging on Boss's Day and, and really every day here in America, which is that there are limits to how much you can, I wouldn't say advocate, but maybe there are limits to how much you can expect to get. Sure. Yeah. You you can absolutely speak up and speak your mind if it's safe. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not safe. If if you were at uh Mitch and Murray. M- Mitch and Murray. I keep wanting to call it Milton and <laughs> If you're at Milton and Moisha. <laughs> uh <laughs> It would not be safe to say, "Hey Kevin Spacey, um, I really need to go visit my daughter who's in the hospital mm-hmm. and have Kevin Spacey go, thank you for sharing what's happening in your personal life. Of course, please, your family is more important than this job. That's that's not how the conversation with Kevin Spacey is going to go. That's true. I mean, I, I can't imagine a situation in which it, it would be safe to go up to Kevin Spacey. <laughs> At all. At all. Ever. Ever. <laughs> Under any situation. But especially, though, if he's your boss. Mm-hmm. Right. He, it, it seems very unclear what he actually does at Mitch and Murray. Well, other he lo- than... He locks up the leads. The good leads. Yeah, he does. He the does. Glengarry he locks leads. up the Glengarry leads. And he files the contracts. And I know he's referred to as like a glorified secretary by some mm-hmm. of the guys because they're okay. like, you've never been out there. You're not a salesman. You you're, don't understand. You're just a paper pusher. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But also he is the gatekeeper of the Glengarry Leeds. So. Well, and this is where I would say that Mitch and Murray are being very um, Machiavellian. And how they have structured their professional system, because it uh, pits different members of their workforce against one another, which Mm -hmm. is very effective if you want to keep your workforce from unionizing. That's 
That's real. And the thing is, systems can be influenced. Uh, sometimes yes. we tend to think of like the Palo Alto systems... group was all about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that is a whole corner of family therapy we are not getting into today. That's fair. But uh, correct. Um, <laughs> thumbs up. Literal thumbs up. Uh, <clears throat> there, there tends to be this idea amongst people that systems are unchangeable, that they are basically, they are monoliths that exist and there's nothing we can do about them. Um, and it can absolutely feel that way. And when we're talking about something as big as an entire society, like, yeah, it, something more than just your small piece is going to need to change for the monolith to change. But systems are changeable. And when you have that kind of top-down system, like a business, those people at the top have all kinds of power that can run amok if it is not kept in check. And if it is being used for monetary gain instead of for the greater good of society. Which clearly Mitch and Murray was not about mm -mm. the greater good of society. No. So... The moral of today's radio play is <laughs> self-advocacy can lead to group act advocacy, which can lead to greater systemic change. Yep. So if you notice in the place where you work right now that you are really pitted against people that you're supposed to be working with mm -hmm. and it, it feels uncomfortable, you can't explain why, this might be what's happening. Yes. And so pay attention to it, tune into it, and maybe that coworker who your boss is, like, uh, pitting you against, maybe have a conversation with that person and be like, hey, listen to this podcast. Right. Because I think we might need to unionize. <laughs> right. I mean, and I think of, to like, to go back to the lightness and brightness of office space, I think of what could have maybe been possible if Peter and Milton had gotten together i mean like peter does a good job yeah. of like trying to ally with what samir and michael um and, and so like he's moving in the right direction he he goes the route of stealing and we all know how that ends up um, oh and that's what happens with gary glenn ross too absolutely but like if he brought milton into the fold i mean once he was able to really work on like understanding milton's diction <laughs> like Milton has a very important story and perspective to share because he's been around in a tech for years mm -hmm. and he has been the victim of some, some profound boundary violations mm -hmm. and his, his insight could have helped the other three understand that this is not, this is not a new thing that in has been doing. This is part of how the company is. Mm hmm. It is baked into the system. Yeah. And is that what we want? Is, right. is this acceptable to us? Mm -hmm. And what are our options, do we feel like, to advocate and push back within an attack? And then, you know, what are options outside of an attack? Do we need to look at flingers? <laughs> well, and that's what Peter discovered, mm -hmm. is that... He didn't want to be a software engineer. No. He wanted he wanted more play. Mm -hmm. That's what was missing in his life was right. play. 
I mean, really you know, in kept... all Americans' lives. Yeah, well, fair. Um, but he he kept talking about, I would do nothing. Right. You know, if I had a million dollars, I would do nothing. But that that's not accurate. Because mm, he, point. you know, he doesn't do nothing Mm-mm. when when he has the, when he decides he's just not going to go to work anymore. He doesn't do nothing. He goes fishing uh, with his next door neighbor, uh, Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, he watches a lot of Kung Fu mm-hmm. with Jennifer Aniston. Gets a lot and, of takeout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. joy, play. Joy, play, yeah. And he discovers, you know what? I want to hang out with Lawrence and and swing a hammer. That's joy. That's real positivity. Well, That's not toxic and yet, positivity. And well, I think and this is this is the part of the movie that on this rewatch bothered me a bit cuz I remember when I first saw this film, probably mm-hmm. back when I was a teenager, I was like, "Wow, look at that. He he finds his bliss. Um, I was very indoctrinated um, <laughs> as a as a teenage Spock. Lots mm-hmm. of things that I worked through in my twenties. Um, but yeah, when I watched it this time around, I just I thought to myself, "Huh." So he ends with working in construction. It's fresh air, clear blue skies. It just feels like we're really tiptoeing right up to toxic positivity. Mm. and almost falling over the edge it it mm-hmm. just it felt a little bit like it felt like the movie was trying to like it had this great humorous critique and then it ends with like well you just find the job that suits you <laughs> that's fair that's fair what how i make sense of it is that he finds this work playful and what yes. has been missing in his life is play mm-hmm. and so because he needs a job to sustain being a human, he found a job where he can be playful. Yes. And now, is and that I, the truth of construction? If I can tell you it doesn't look quite like that. Because where else have I worked? On a construction site. My God, you truly are a jack of all trades, sir. <laughs> I was in the office. I didn't do actual manual labor. You weren't out there swinging your hammer and your hard hat. I did have a hard hat um, and a safety vest and steel toe shoes because those were just mandated. Um, sure. And everybody had cool nicknames. So I gave myself a nickname. I called myself Boomer. It was before Battlestar. Oh, okay. Okay. I gotcha. <laughs> that's good. That's That's good. Good job. <laughs> oh before we wrap i did mm-hmm. before i got all caught up in imagining you as boomer a battle star i was thinking that um advocating for play particularly in our current age is definitely um it it's radical activism for sure mm-hmm. because there's there's so much kind of greater systemic social and political rhetoric around this idea that uh, adults don't play and you shouldn't play and you should just get to work and uh, coffees aren't for players, they're for closers. <laughs> and that's ridiculous, okay? Coffee's a beverage right. that can be available to everyone, though we should all be careful because it's a stimulant and really a drug. <laughs> I, yeah, I... Self-disclosure, I haven't had a cup of coffee in over 10 years. 
And you are the captain of a Starfleet ship. <laughs> There's so many different ways to energize. There are. <laughs> it's not the only way. Okay. Whew. We've, we've been all over town. So uh, let's help remind our listeners, what did we talk about today? Uh, today we talked about self-advocacy, boundaries, systemic rules and roles, um, and how they apply in marriage and family therapy, but really to our, our world at large. We talked about play. We talked about uh, positivity and toxic positivity. We talked about unions. Ooh, and activism, both mm -hmm. radical and non-radical, though that feels wrong. That does feel wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's just like benign activism. Right. Vanilla wafer activism. So we're just going to go with <laughs> radical activism. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, we also, um, because it is very much on my mind, we touched on internal family systems therapy. Oh, yes, we IFS. did. That's right. Y mm -hmm. Yes, we did. We did. We did. Because it's just right there at mm -hmm. the forefront of my and brain. For folks who are not interested in IFS, this was the part where they would have just like skipped on over. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which yeah. is fine. It's yeah. Uh, we talked about consent mm -hmm. as part of boundaries, but yes. always important to give it a shout out. To give a shout out to consent. And then, you know, we had obviously our just. Um, to double headers of uh, fandoms today, we had Glenn Glary, Glenn Glary, Glenn, Glenn Glary, <laughs> Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, the field, <laughs> mm, the field, hashtag never forget, um, <laughs> office space. Mm -hmm. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I, th I, th I think that was it. I mean, once you've talked about Glenn Gary and Glenn Ross in the field, you've pretty much covered it all. Mammoth. Mammoth? Mammoth. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. He's a real fucking closer. Join us for our next app on 80s Movie Night. When life gets in the way of your dreams. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. As always, live, live long, long and, and prosper. prosper.